could be seated. We're going to put the mission statement up on the screens. Can read this with me. At Oak Tree Church, our vision is to unite families and individuals to love God with everything and to glorify his name. Our purpose is to impact our city with the gospel and multiply the nature of Jesus throughout the whole earth. Our objective is to feed the hungry, heal the hurting, equip the called, and the chosen. Give God a hand if you believe that. If we can have our ushers come up, we're going to give the offering. Uh, I just want you to, um, you know, place in your heart today, when you give, to give in faith. When you give, know that God is taking care of you, making sure that all your needs are taken care of. When we give our first and our best, he blesses us, right? He takes care of the rest in our life. And when we decide to give, then God really begins to sow into our life. How many of you believe that? You really believe that? But you're not really given to a church. You're not really given to a ministry, but you're giving to Jesus. So if you can, just lift your hands. If you're giving today, I want to pray for you. Lord, we thank you for all those that are deciding in their hearts to give. Lord, bless them. Be with them. I thank you, Lord, that your word says that when we give, that we become pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You begin to bless us back. Lord, bless them 30, 60, and 100 fold, God. Give them wisdom. Give them knowledge. Give them understanding. Lord, begin to give them creative, innovative ideas. And Lord, begin to uh, show yourself evident in their life. Thank you that you are their provider. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody says, amen. Come on, give God a hand. Wow. Well, I'm going to attempt to um, kind of teach on something that God has been putting on my heart, and it's good that Leah put these trees up because I can't really pace back and forth much or I'll poke my eye out, so I'm going to have to... (laughs) I have to stay right here, and uh, so I just believe that God's going to touch you today and um, really just minister to you. Um, I believe that this is a season where um, it's, it's really special because you know, we were watching on TV, I don't know, <clears throat> it was in Times Square or uh, somewhere in New York, it was during around the gardens, not exactly where it was, but they had a lot of performers there, and they were just about how Jesus is Lord and Jesus is King, because this season, everybody acknowledges uh, Jesus. And, um, and, you know, in this season, we're around family and we're around friends, and sometimes we can get distracted on what uh, we're really celebrating People can get under a lot of stress and uh, worried about money and worried about things during Christmas. But how many of you know when you have Jesus in your life, you're a rich man or woman? When you have Jesus in your life, he saved you from death, he saved you from sin, and he has your spirit in his hand, and nobody can snatch that away from him. And so, really, he. begins season to work on our hearts just like you know when they had star the wise men went after the star to find Jesus and I believe that many of us you you're the light of the world and in this season they're going to find Jesus because of the way that you're shining your light and the way that you're loving people so can we make a decision starting now that in this season that we're going to be focused on him and focused on glorifying him. Can we make a decision together and uh, really getting close to God? Um, God has put a portion of scripture on my heart during this season, and it's uh, in Matthew 25, and it's about the good and faithful servant. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a good and faithful servant. Now, the story was about a master that represents God, 
And the master gives these talents, our money, to three different people, and he goes away. One ten, one five, and one one, according to their abilities. And he comes back, comes back to take these talents, and the one with ten produced ten more. Said, well done, good and faithful servant. The one with five produced five more. Said, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's celebrate. Let's have a party. And then one just put it in the ground and didn't do anything with it. And he said, you are a wicked servant. And he gives us this illustration of what it takes to really be a good and faithful servant. See, a good and faithful servant have certain declarations in their life. And those that don't trust and are fearful and are really in it for themselves, they have certain declarations over their life, and you really see the fruit of it uh, when, when God's asking for something back. Are y'all with me? You really see the fruit, the declarations, the arguments, or the declarations in somebody's heart. Um, this is the declaration of a good and faithful servant. Number one is that I increase when I decrease. I increase when I decrease. You say, well, well um, we talked about that. Yeah, we're going to keep talking about it until we all get it, right? It's easier said than done. It's so easy to say, but it's not that easy in everyday life that I increase when I decrease, right? The second one is this. The second one is I'm blessed when I believe the best. I'm blessed when I believe the best. I believe that God has his best intention in mind for me. I believe in the people that God surrounded me, and I have to believe the best, and that's when I become blessed. I do not come blessed when I get anxious or worried and don't trust, but I get blessed when I believe the best. How many of you know you're wasting your life when you're going to be all concerned and anxious? The Bible says that you're not adding one day to your life. You're actually taking away your life. You're, it's, it's proven that people that are really anxious, always worrying, that their life becomes short. <laughs> because your heart, we're not made to be anxious. We're not made to worry. We're not made to not trust. We're made to be able to rely on God and to believe in him and believe his word. How many of you want to determine in your heart you're going to believe his word? The third thing is I gain when I give. I gain when I give. A good and faithful servant. At the end of the day, when we all go to heaven, the thing that we'll all be wanting to hear well done, you good and faithful servant. Not all of your accomplishments, because all of your accomplishments and all of your crowns is going to be laid at the feet of Jesus. All of the position and all the gain and all those things, at the end of the day, the Lamb of God deserves the glory and will lay it all at Jesus' feet. The only thing that matters is if our lives represent a good and faithful servant. You know, it sounds glorious. There's freedom in it, but it's not easy. Because to be a good and faithful servant really means that you, uh, you eliminate the pride out of your life. You rely on God to have humility, and then you come into submission, and this is how we please God. Right? I want to hone in on one of these declarations. I want to hone in on one of these, and I want to talk about one of these topics because um, it's so important. You know, when God asks us to do the difficult things, he always tells us the blessings behind it because he knows that if you're doing this without knowing the blessing, then it's going to be a lot harder. And I, I want you to, to write this down. I increase when I decrease. I increase 
when I decrease. What does this really mean? This really means I increase when I become humble. I increase when I become humble. So the real message today on humility, you say, I really don't need a message about humility. You're probably not humble. Chances are you got some pride. I think we all can hear about humility and what God says about humility. There is great blessing humility. Humility is being selfless, but pride is about all. Pride's just about yourself. Humility is being selfless. This is difficult. This is difficult because your nature is all about you. And your nature is about watch out for you and your thing and what you, you're number one, right? But God's nature is humility and his nature is not pride. It's funny that the world glorifies pride, but there are some serious consequences to pride and there are some serious blessings and promises when it comes to humility. We all are working in this area. We're all working in this area because it takes dying sometimes to yourself. What did Paul say in Galatians 2.20? He said, I'm crucified with Christ. I. I am crucified with Christ. In other words, Evan has to die on the cross. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live not I, but Christ lives in me. This is a selfless statement that myself, my pride, my arrogance, my way and how I see it and how I want it stays at the cross and I pick up the humility of Jesus so that he can really be the master of my life. Now, I want to really give some promises really quick on what comes with humility. Maybe you want to know some promises of what comes with humility. Because this is the motivator. This is, the, this is how we come into grace when we really believe if we humble, humble ourselves, then God will bless us. This is the motivator because um, you have to trust. Because it goes against your brain. It goes against your will. It is trusting to do things God's way instead of your own way. How many of you want to do things God's way instead of your own way? See, there is a wave today. There is a wave of a teaching in the body of Christ that can really damage um, what God is wanting to do. And that teaching really has to do with, you know, do things your way and let God bless your thing but don't really do things God's way. Something that was extremely alarming to me this week was that I, I knew this, um, this pastor probably about 10 to 15 years ago, and I knew his children, and his children were just all adorable. And, uh, and you know, all the, the kids uh, really said that they love God, that they, they live for God. And it came out uh, very recently that one of these children came out and said, you know what, I have made the decision and, uh, and I'm going to tell the whole world that I am transgender. Now, I was really surprised. Now, if you're in here, I want you to know that God loves everyone. God loves everyone, but God does not just wink at sin, we have to believe in the power of God in his way, and that if we live for him, he will give us the grace to live the way that he wants us to live. He has given us um, a certain design. He has a certain plan. He has formed us in the way that he wants to form us, and ultimately has a plan for our lives, and it does not mean that we have to give in to sinful nature. Come on. Now, you say, well, that should be a given. It's really not a given in the body of Christ anymore because I was seeing so many love 
buttons pushed on Facebook and the whole announcement from Christians that used to make a stand. But now it is accepted. Now it is accepted that if you know what, if you feel like you are a man, but you're really a girl, or you're a girl, but you feel like a man, it's accepted. You have to accept who you are. This does not sound like going to the cross to me. Just accept who you are and accept the things that don't line out with God. God loves you anyway. But God says, those that love me shows by their obedience. This is why Jesus said you have to be crucified with Christ in order to really live. Crucified says not my way, but your way. Not my thing, but your thing. And ultimately, we find life in this. Now, am I picking on people or am I being a bigot? No, I'm not. I'm not. I believe that sin is sin. I believe that sin is sin. But we cannot accept sin just because we feel like we can't beat it. So in other words, you take one thing and put a stamp of approval on it, it is only going to swing the same direction. If you say, I have a problem with little kids and molesting little kids, it's just who I am, it's how I feel, doesn't mean it's right. And people might say, well, you know what, and it was a battle on Facebook, the battle of not just lost people, but Christians. Well, if you really love him, then you will not say that it's wrong. You will just accept him for the way that he is. You should accept anybody for the way that they are and not look any differently at them. But you do not have to accept the sin that is in people's lives. And it is a, a cult. yeah, give God a hand if you want. The enemy has tried to paint a cultural picture. He has twisted the truth in such a way that Christians are calling wrong things right and calling right things wrong. And listen, it is prevalent today to come into church and to be given and fed things that you just want to hear and feed an itching ear. But how many of you know that a church should want the truth and not just fluff? The church should stand for what is right and not stand for just what people want to hear. Now, I know that it is indoctrinated in many people's minds that certain things are uh, being, if you are against certain things, that you're being a bigot. No, that's not how Jesus was. If you see Jesus, he is loving on the people that were an outcast. This is not like, oh, well, we shun people. No, we actually love the people that Jesus loved. In other words, if you, can't ha- if you can't stand hanging out with somebody that doesn't have a belief as you, you just might not have a close relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus was the one that was hanging out with the prostitutes. Jesus was the one that was hanging out with the liars. Jesus was the one that was hanging out with the adulterers. Jesus was the one that was hanging out with the homosexual. Jesus was the one that was hanging out with the ones with the legion of demons that had No telling what kind of sin going on in their life. You have to be marked with love. But love takes humility. True love, God's love, takes humility to say, it's not my way, but it's his way. Yeah, give God a hand if you want to. It's not my way, but it's his way. How many of you today want to say, I want to get the humility of Jesus and not see things my way? but live his way. Some of you might have lean-tos or some problems or some addictions or some things that you're ashamed of. Let me encourage you today that you do not have to accept that sinful nature in your life. It is not part of you. God's going to finish the work he started in you, and he's going to begin to work it out of you as long as you stay humble and trust him. See, a lot of times we see our problems bigger than God, and we think that our problems are bigger than God. This is part of trust, that I'm going to see God bigger than my problems, even though I have an issue. He is one that has overcome the world, and he lives inside of me. If you're going through something, God is not asking you to be perfect, but to begin to rely on him for him to straighten those things out in your life so that you can live in freedom. 
God wants you to live in freedom and purity and holiness. And if you find yourself stumbling, know that the righteous fall seven times and get back up seven. Just like they couldn't keep Jesus in the grave, they can't keep you from being down because you have the creator of the universe inside of you and you just keep getting up. I'm looking at some of you, you've had some setbacks, but you just keep getting up. That's because you have Jesus on the inside of you. It is not because you're perfect. It's because you're relying on him to work out this nature in you. You have not accepted the rebellion in your life or the things that you're trying to uh, go away from God with, the things that you're ashamed of. You have put those things at the cross and you have relied on God to begin to give you the grace to step into the perfect will that he has for your life. How many of you want to be in the perfect will that God has for your life? It takes humility. It takes humility. There's some blessings that come from humility. Number one, you get grace. You get grace. I don't know if y'all ever felt what it's like to not have grace, but it's miserable. Have you ever seen somebody that doesn't know how to dance and try to dance? And there is no grace. That's how you look without God in your life. You're trying to go to work without him. You're trying to do things without him. You look like a chicken with its head cut off. There is no grace in your life. Everything is hard. Spending time with family is hard. Going to work is hard. Getting up in the morning is hard. There is no grace when pride is in the mix. But grace is like somebody, you see those figure skaters, that there, it just seems like they're going with the music and they're flowing and, and things are graceful. There is a grace that comes with humility. That you're able to have grace in situations that nobody else would be able to go through. It does not mean that you don't go through things. It means that you have the grace to get through them. Amen? James 4, 6 says, and he gives grace Generously, as the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How many of you just want grace? Man, I want grace in my marriage because that's when it's fun. I want grace in my family because that's where joy is. I want grace in my job because you can't do anything without grace. Well, you're able, when you have grace, you have peace. When you have grace, you have joy. Amen. The second thing, Luke 14, 11, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those that humble themselves will be exalted. Now, this word exalted, it actually means that God is going to begin to trust you more. God is going to begin to give you authority and trust you. He's going to begin to allow you to step into things and do things you never dreamed that you could do because you have trusted him and you've humbled yourself. Because you said, God, I can't do it, but with a broken vessel, you could do anything. And so you say, you come to a place where you humble your. See, this is how God works. This is how God works. He blesses you, then he trims you. He blesses you, then he prunes you. He blesses you, and see, he wants you to recognize that the fruit did not come from you. And when you begin to get trimmed and you begin to get pruned, and you still trust God, God says, I'm going to bless you with even more fruits. And then I'm going to trim. If you look at the cycle in your life, this is how God does it. But it's always a test. It's always a test whether you think that the fruit is in your hands or if the fruit is in God's hands. It's always a test whether you think that the provision comes through you or the provision comes from God. See, because you might can do a lot of things outside of God, gain a lot of things that are not blessed. But when you submit yourself to God, he says, listen, I can trust you with a little more. And then he's going to begin to bless you. And he says, you know what, I'm going to prune a little bit and test you. And you stay humble and you say, God, you're first. See, humility, humility is not who's right. Humility is what is right. Humility is what is right. Humility says it's not really about my feelings, what I really want. It's about what is right. This is a struggle for a lot of us. This could be a struggle, but when you begin to rely on the grace of God, you begin to get strong. Amen? Because God wants to be your Savior. How many of you 
need to recognize that, man, I need them. I need them. Without them, I can't do these things. The next thing, Proverbs 18, 12. Haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility proceeds. So honor comes from humility. Proverbs 22, 4. True humility and the fear of the Lord leads to riches, honor, and long life. Riches, honor, long life. Show me a person that's full of love and peace in his life and in his relationships, and I'll show you a rich man. Show me a person that's full of love and peace in his relationships and in life, and that you'll see a rich man. God wants you to become rich. Long life. Pride is the result. Pride is the result of a short Christian shelf life. How many people have you what is the What is the real reason? It really comes down to pride. Man, I've seen great men rise up really quick, and just as fast as they rose up, it's just as fast as they fell because pride creeped into their life. Pride creeped in, and they had a short shelf life. How many of you want to live long and be preserved in God? You see those uh, preservatives? If you, if you put that uh, can uh, or you put that jar, you have preservatives in a jar. It's lasting a long time. It's not getting moldy. It's not getting old. It's going to stay young. It's going to stay fresh. How many of you want to stay young and fresh with God? This is the secret of David. He said, God, I want to be in your presence all the days of my life. You make me young. You make, you make me young. You renew my youth. You are able to be renewed when you choose humility. How many of you know that humility is a choice? It is not a personality. Just because you're shy and passive aggressive does not mean that you're humble. Because there is a false humility. There is a acting like you're humble, but on the inside, you are screaming. Humility has nothing to do with a personality. It has everything to do with a choice. And we all have to choose humility. It's not something you're ever going to feel. Come on. It's not so, yeah, give God a hand if you want to. Long life, long life. Number three, third point I want to make. How do I apply humility to my life? Let's read Philippians 2, 2 through 8. Philippians 2, 2 through 8. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Let's put it right there for a second. Leave it right there. How many of you know that this takes humility? Loving each other, working with, together in one mind and one purpose. Know something in your life. When you get married, you have to learn humility if you want a good marriage. If you see a marriage that's erect, Chances are there's somebody in there that's too prideful to make it work. Marriage, a happy marriage, takes humility. A happy marriage takes humility. You know how it is. Guys, you know how it is. The, the, your wife says where you want to eat. You know it really doesn't matter where you want to eat. You, and they just, they just give it to you like, where do you want to eat? You're like, we can eat where. And you're like, finally, you know, I want, I want some, like, barbecue. Let's get some, like, barbecue, like, like chicken and, and ribs and sausage and smoked everything, and let's just buy that. And you're like, I don't really feel like it. You're like, wait, you just said, you just said I can get, it's my choice. No, I didn't really mean it was your choice. I mean, let's, let's, so how about let's just forget it. Forget that. How about we just go, you know, let's just go uh, to Taco Bell. I don't really like Taco Bell too much, but it's really whatever you want. <laughs> and you're like, uh, it takes humility and some compromise to work out a marriage. If you have an idea, the Bible says that in a marriage, a guy, even though he's the leader, he is the one that's laying his life down. It is like a trick. You got tricked, guys. 
<laughs> you, you're leading, but you're not, I mean, kind of. You know, you're making the decisions, but you're really laying your life down for each other. And what does it say? Submitting to one another as unto the Lord. This is not easy. It takes humility. Because I see things one way, she sees things another, and there has to be a healthy compromise. The guy that said, well, this is going to be my way. I'm just going to tell you how it is. They never have a good marriage. It's just who I am. I'm going to tell you black and white. And it, No, because real marriage, a good marriage, it takes love and humility. Anytime you see somebody that has a wreck for a marriage, it's because there's one person that said, well, I'm not saying I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not yielding at all. But how many of you know that humility is yielding? It is not being about you, but it's being about the other person. This is not easy because our nature is to be about what we want, about how we feel, about what we think about things. And, and we're going to go that route. You know, that's why the Bible says that leaders should be, never be domineering. Never be like, they should lead, but it's never like, it's never, a real leader works as a team. Uh, and it takes humility. And the team, to do something as a team, it takes humility. And you know what? With real covenant relationships, you got to work that out. Sometimes it's not easy. You know, the, the, <laughs> when people say, you know what, I, my marriage, I never get into arguments. I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm like, do you know each other then? Because do y'all hang out? Because uh, should look. I don't fight with my wife. I just get in passionate disagreements. That's it. Judge me. I see the way you're looking at me. Don't judge me. It, you should because real relationships take being real. Real relationships take being real, not just one person being one-sided. Real relationships take bending. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not break. That's not in the Bible. <laughs> but it's true that you have to be flexible. You have to be flexible and bend a little. Jesus, I would say, laid down his life and showed the ultimate humility that this is not about me. This is not about how I look, how I feel, what I want. It's about you. Man, it's hard. That's not easy. But if you want that, you got to be real in your relationship. We can continue. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. It's real security. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of himself equal as God, as some cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. Criminals on the cross. Up right there. God, I receive. You know, it takes strength to be humble. It takes strength to be humble. It, it does not, a lot of people think to be prideful, you have to be strong. But prideful is an easy thing to do. It takes strength for humility because it is denying yourself. The pride is always looking out for number one. But humility trust, and it's a choice. It's a choice to trust. I want to give you some things that humility isn't. Some things that humility isn't. The first thing is this. Humility isn't jealous. Can I say that again? Because you don't hear many messages about jealousy. But humility isn't jealous. In other words, you never become resentment or resent other people because of their success. And other people's success. When other people succeed, are you happy? 
are you like the little kid pouting because he didn't get his way? Like, why didn't God shoot you? Whatever. Why didn't God bless me? How many of you know that we need to celebrate people's success? If you can't celebrate other people's uh, victories, then it's a sign that you're not content with who you are. It's a sign that you don't really trust that God can do it for you. It's a sign that you don't really have the confidence that God's promise is true for your life. You know, the prodigal son, we always read the prodigal son and think it's about the son that sinned. It really wasn't about the son that sinned and came back to the father. It was really about the brother that was mad that the father accepted him and threw a big party and celebrated and said, come into the house and let's kill the fatted calf. And, and the brother that was always there, he's like, you never did that for me. I've been working this whole time. You never did that for me. See, jealousy, jealousy is a dangerous thing because it contaminates the heart. From jealousy, a lot of impure things come. Look at Cain and Abel. Somebody would kill his brother because God accepted one sacrifice and not yours. How many of you know that we are running all our own race? You know what I love? I love that movie Creed because, you know, the Rocky movie, you know, Rocky, like, you know, kind of moved on. We all grew up watching Rocky. And the thing about Creed, the thing that I like about it, Lee and I were like getting emotional when we watched it because it kind of has, you watched it growing up and, and it's kind of bringing everything together. But I love what Rocky told his protege, the person that he was training. He said, your greatest opponent is yourself. See, we shouldn't be looking at other people because humility doesn't get jealous. You have your own race. You have your own lane. And your biggest opponent is yourself. Number two, humility isn't boastful. Humility isn't boastful. Insecure people have to, they have to like toot their own horn all the time, right? They want to impress others and they need attention and validation. Validation isn't bad, but when you need it all the time, it's detrimental. And so you feel like you have to expound on all of your accomplishments. Have you ever been tempted to do that? Three of you. Oh, y'all are just holier than thou. <laughs> Any of you t tempted to kind of say, well, you know, I've done that. that. It, God says, don't boast about yourself. Proverbs 27, 2 says, let someone else praise you, not your own mouth. A stranger, not your own lips. Number three, humility isn't defensive. This is one that I have a hard time with. Can I be honest with you? This is what I have a hard time with. Like um, when somebody says, hey, this is not right in your life. The constructive, see, if you can't get constructive criticism, you're never going to get better. If you're so touchy that somebody says, hey, this wasn't really right, you blow up and make sure that nobody touches you, you're not really getting better. Humility says, you know what, you might know something that I don't know. Initially, you might, you might blow up because it hurt. You want to keep, you want just people to be happy, but humility is not being defensive. How many of you know that we don't need to be defensive? We have to be in a place where we're secure enough to say when we're right or wrong or what's working and is not working. Am I right? Proverbs 13, 18 says, if you ignore criticism, you will end in poverty and disgrace. If you accept correction, you will be honored. Poverty. And so how many of you know that constructive criticism is healthy? The Bible says that those that don't take instruction well are stupid. That's what the Bible says. And we've all been there, dumb, stupid. I'm not going to listen. I kind of have my own thoughts, my own thing. See, humility is being teachable no matter how much you know. See, what I have noticed in Christianity, that people get to a certain point and they think they know everything. And so then they stop listening to other people and then they stop growing and they stop uh, being young 
again with God. And they eventually fall away because just because you know a lot does not mean that you shouldn't be teachable. How many of you know that God wants us to be teachable? He called us disciples for a reason. This is a disciplined learner. You know, discipline is not fun. Discipline to learn is not fun. Let me ask you, are you continually being disciplined and challenged with the teachings of Jesus and the people surrounding your life? Are you being challenged? Because if you're not being challenged, then you're just going to stay stagnant. You know, things that stay stagnant, they get spoiled. And things that get spoiled become ruined. And the way that you not... The way that you avoid being stagnant is to stay a disciple. Jesus didn't say, become a disciple for the first two years you become saved, and then don't listen to anybody else. Do it all on your own. No, he said, I want you to be disciples, period. That means to the end of our breath, we are still learning no matter how much we know. And if you can't learn from the least, then you are probably got a little bit of pride. How many of you know that we can learn something from anybody? You know what, you can tell a lot about a person by the way they treat the people at McDonald's or Burger King or the people that are serving them. I can't stick. Can I just be real with you for a second? I can't stand. One of my pet peeves, I can't stand. If I hear at another table, somebody like just ordering somebody around this, a, a waiter or a waitress and treating them like dirt, thinking, I don't care if you're a mayor, I don't care if you're a superstar, I don't care if you have some kind of high pedigree, you don't treat people like they're beneath you. You don't treat people like they're beneath you, period. You can learn something from anybody. You can learn something from anybody. Don't become a person that is not teachable. The next, competitive, competitive. When you know who you are, you know that you're uniquely made, you do not have to be competitive. Now, I'm not talking about healthy competition, but always competitive. See, this is what happens. People that are, have unhealthy competition in their heart, they feel like gossip is the way to tear people down that they're intimidated by. Buy it in here. The worst thing in a church can be gossip. And I think we all can be guilty. If, we, if we're competitive and comparing ourselves with each other, we are not right. Everybody's running their own race. As a matter of fact, if you were in their shoes, you might make the same mistake. Oh, I would never do that. Yeah, go through what they went through. You might. You haven't stepped in their shoes. You don't know what's going on. You don't know their life. So quit trying to be competitive. You have to start to become understanding. Yeah, give God a hand if you want. Gossip robs unity. Gossip causes divisions. If you find yourself gossiping, just shut your mouth. Shut it. I heard somebody earlier this week talking about somebody, and I thought, I'm not saying a word because I don't know what I would do in their situation. We only conquer by grace. Gossip is only from the enemy. You never saw Jesus talking to Thomas about Peter behind his back. You know, Peter's really, Jesus, he just can't shut his mouth. No, he never. But you see the enemy gossiping nonstop. You heard what they did. You heard how they did. You know the inside scoop. You don't know anything. You know, while we're writing our own scriptures here, we should say, stay out of people's business, you'll be a lot happier. That should be a proverb. It's e-verbs. I'm starting some e-verbs. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's in Proverbs somewhere. Stay out of people's business. Focus on you. Why are you so apt to jump on the talk train when somebody else fails? Stop it. Because it's only going to happen to you. And know this, the people that are talking the talk, they're going to talk about you right when they leave. <laughs> well, I'm their best friend. No, you're not. They're going to be talking about you soon. 
Quit being so competitive. Y'all okay? The next, argumentative. Argumentative. Always have to be right. Always have to be right. Not only that, but you got to put people in their place. You ever felt like putting somebody in their place? Come on. Somebody that, like, you know, said something, went home at night, and you thought, I should have said it. One, two, three. I should have just let them, let them have it. You know, the time, like, late at night, you're like, why not think about that then? I should have just, because we can get defensive. Jesus was never defensive. Jesus was never defensive. Preaching to myself today. Can y'all help me out? I'm preaching to myself because we all need some humility in our lives. Am I right about it? Our pastor's pastor came down uh, from out of the country probably and met with a prominent man that had one of the biggest ministries in the world at one time. And this guy, uh, you know, he fell in different ways and thought that his new assignment in life was to put down other pastors and to get theologians together on how pastors were not theologically right and bashed this pastor, our pastor, our pastor's pastor, repeatedly and started all kinds of rumors. And, uh, and he came down to visit us, and the, one of the first things he wanted to do is go talk to this pastor. I thought, yes, he's going to give it to him. He's just going to just, like, tear him up. Like, how many of you just want somebody to get torn up every once in a while? <laughs> he is going to let him have it. This guy is ridiculous. But he actually went on the radio show with other theologians there trying to trap him, trying to trick him, trying to get him defensive. You know what they said at the end of the show? He said, they said, I don't know if I agree about everything that you, can, that you do, but I know this. You're the most selfless person I have ever met. I believe that's one of the greatest things you can say about a person because it represents Jesus. That it's not about me, and I'm not here to tear you down. I'm here to look at you in love. I'm here to work things out. That just because there's an argument, I'm not going to try to put you in your place. I'm not going to. See, the Bible says, Proverbs says, watch out for those that try to stir up arguments. Because you're going to be led into a wrong place. Be a person that brings peace. Bring a person that brings peace. Proverbs 23, if I can get somebody to come and play. Proverbs 23. Avoid, avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. I just like it. I like to fight. You're a fool. I just want to argue. I feel good about arguing. You're foolish. You're going to get in arguments that you don't need to get into, and you're going to get in trouble. And, you know, if somebody has a hot temper, leave them alone. Leave them alone. Quit trying to debate with people that you're not going to change. Leave them alone. The Bible says it's like yanking on an angry dog's ear. I've done that once. I got bit. I'm not doing it again. Don't get bit. Leave angry people alone. Quit trying to fight all the time. You say, well, it's glorious. I'm going I'm to show them. No, you're not showing anybody anything except that you are so prideful and so touchy that nobody can work with you. Be a team player. Be a team player. Are you a team player or an independent operator? Only those that are team players can really do this Christianity thing. This is really not about us and not about what we can do and what we can achieve. It's about looking at other people and seeing what they can achieve and laying our life down to serve so that they can be great. I'm going to say it again. This Christianity thing is to look at other people with all their faults and all their imperfections and all the things that they cannot do, believing in them regardless. And it's about you, not me. It's about you, not me. That's Christianity. Not fighting your way first in line and what's best for the individual. What's best for you? How many of you know we need God's grace to get there? The last one is this. Humility doesn't need all the credit. Humility doesn't need all the credit. Let me ask you and let me challenge you to be a certain kind of person. Be a promoter. 
be a promoter of people. How about not needing the credit? How about enjoying the smile of God because you've done what is right and not what has made you look good? How about only caring the way you look in the presence of God? How about only caring about the way you look by going straight to God and say, God, you and me, this is the relationship that really matters. And all of these relationships that I have, it's really not about me. God, make me a good and faithful servant. How can I make somebody else better? How can I serve somebody? If they've been torn down, do I throw them away because they make mistakes? Or do I do this thing called covenant? I do this thing called love that even though it's not easy, and even though I've been hurt, and even though people let me down, at the end of the day, it's not about me and what I can get. At the end of the day, it's about being a good and faithful servant, full of love and compassion, saying, how can I lift you up? How can I help you? How can I serve you? How can I make you better? It's not about me. It's about washing feet like Jesus did. It's about laying down your life for those in your life. Come on. Humility brings blessing. Pride only brings anguish. It only brings anguish. You can have all the stuff and all the anguish. You can get your way and still be laying in bed at night full of anguish. Jesus' way. He's the way, the truth, the life. How about we follow Jesus? How about we do it his way? How about we live for him and not for ourselves? It really comes down to loving each other. It really comes down to this thing called love. That's where humility comes from. We all know the love scripture. Love is patient. Sometimes I don't feel patient at all. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it doesn't parade it. But you know what it does? It forgets all wrongs. See, pride is also being in a place where you have to have a file on everybody in case you need it one day. In case you want to be out in front one day and have to prove a point and don't have to really trust that person in your life. See, but love forgets all wrongs. And love never fails. What if a group of people decided to follow Jesus in love and not to push their selfishness to the front and said, I'm here for you. I'm here to serve. Because at the end of the day, I want to be pleasing the presence of God. At the end of the day, the joy that is in my life is filling the smile of my Father in heaven. I want you to get away from anguish. Get away from self and begin to pick up this precious, this precious tool called servanthood, called love. Come on, if you're here today and you say, you know what, I haven't really operated in humility. I haven't really operated in love. As a matter of fact, it's been more about me. 